beating the bushes? Beating the bushes refers to diligently searching for something or someone. For instance, salesmen will beat the bushes to sell more product. Politicians will beat the bushes in order to get more votes. But today we find that followers of Jesus Christ are also to beat the bushes. The ultimate goal of serving the Lord in church is to seek more followers for him. Do you know that God commands us to beat the bushes for him? Last week, I shared with you conditions that must be right in order for us to experience a God-sized event. Those conditions included Jesus working in our midst, us remaining busy while waiting on God, being serious about prayer, but also submitting to the Holy Spirit's control in our lives. But the truth is this. Many Christians miss their God-sized event in their life because they don't trust God enough to do what he's called them to do. What is your God-sized event? Today I believe you're going to find that part of it is at least filling the Father's house. In Luke chapter 14, we find Luke giving a narrative uh, about a parable that Jesus shared about a great supper. Now, a parable is an earthly story about a heavenly truth. And in verse 15 of chapter 14, Luke writes, Now when one of those who sat at the table with him, with Jesus, heard these things, he said to Jesus, Blessed is he who shall eat bread in the kingdom of God. Then Jesus said to him, A certain man gave a great supper and invited many. And he sent his servant at supper time to say to those who were invited, Come, for all things are now ready. But when they were with all in one accord, they began to make excuses. The first said to him, I have bought a piece of ground and I must go and see it. I ask you to have me excused. Another said, I have bought five yoke of oxen and I'm going to test them. I ask you to have me excused. Still another said, I have married a wife and therefore I cannot come. And so that servant came and reported these things to the master. And the master of the house, being angry, said to the servant, Go out quickly into the streets and lanes of the city and bring in here the poor and the maimed and the lame and the blind. And the servant said, Master, it is done as you have commanded. And still there is room. Then the master said to the servant, Go out into the highways and hedges and compel them to come in that my house may be filled. For I say to you that none of those men who were invited shall taste my supper. In verse 25, 
Now the great multitudes went with Jesus and he turned and said to them, if anyone comes to me and does not hate his father and mother, wife and children, brothers and sisters, yes, even his own life, he cannot be my disciple. And whoever does not bear his cross and come after me cannot be my disciple. To start with, those verses tell us a lot about excuses that people make as to why they can't, why they won't, or why they're somehow unable to come into a relationship with God through Jesus Christ. The religious people in Jesus' day were a lot like that. In verse 18, we find a religious person who chooses, chooses to tend his property instead of accepting an invitation from the one who created the property. In verse 19, we find a person who chooses, chooses to test out his possessions rather than honoring the Lord who gave those possessions to him. In verse 20, we see a man who chooses, chooses to take care of his personal issues before honoring the Lord, not realizing that those issues would likely be resolved if they would just come into a relationship with God. Friends, today, while dissecting verse 23, I want us to see how believers are called to beat the bushes and fill the Father's house. Notice the first phrase in verse 23. The master said to the servant, that phrase describes both our relationship and our role in God's service. The idea of being a servant may not be very appealing to you. I mean, just imagine for a moment some children gathered together talking about what they want to be when they grow up. Some will want to be doctors. Some will want to be astronauts. Others will want to be teachers and firemen, maybe professional athletes, but not one will mention being a servant. Being a servant implies that you're under someone else. Being a servant implies that you're to be used for someone else's purposes. Being a servant implies that you're to do what they tell you to do. And believe it or not, friend, we as Christians are called to be servants. Servants of God, and therefore we are to submit to our position under him. That is our purpose in life, to serve God and bring glory to his name. Did you know what Isaiah 43 and verse 7 says? God actually spoke to Isaiah and said, Everyone who is called by my name, whom I have created for my glory, I have formed him. Yes, I have made him. Many times we beg. Many times we plead and we appeal to God to use us for his glory. Then when opportunities arise, servants just don't do what the master said do. I'm going to tell you today, 
about one of those opportunities that you will have to do what the master called you to do. But I first want to share with you the, the second phrase, the second phrase that we want to examine, and that is to go out. This phrase describes our function as believers, as followers of Jesus Christ. Now, most churches get it reversed. Most churches think that we're to go in. We think our function is to bring people to church. But friend, that's not our function. The function of the master's servant is to uh, do what Jesus commanded, and that is to go and bring people to the master. Bring them to the master. Then the master will direct them to fellowship and learn from his church. Notice what Matthew 28, 17 says. In verse 19, rather, the Bible says, Go and make disciples of who? The master. Go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit. Mark tells us to go, go into all the world and preach the gospel to tell the good news to every creature. Friends, are we to invite people to church? Absolutely. Are we to invite people to church events? Absolutely. Should we like and share Bethel services on social media? Absolutely. However, we should view those as tools. We should view church services and events as a platform by which we go to share the good news and bring people to the master. And the master says to his servant that the ultimate responsibility is for us to go and share the good news. Now there's a third phrase that I want you to see in verse 23. And that is, into the highways and hedges. This refers to our focus. We are called to go in the most unlikely places. We are also called to go to the most unlikely people. Now tomorrow, I'm going to be video broadcasting my three-minute redemption story on Facebook and on YouTube. Three minutes. Later in the week, I'll be joined by Miss Janet by Brother Howe, by Brother Kevin, and also by Miss Kathy. And friend, after you see how it's done, I want each one of you to do it too. Friend, if we are faithful to broadcast our three-minute redemption story, we will be observing the Lord's instruction to go out into the highways and hedges to reach people that you never thought you'd reach. And I wonder, could that very well be our God-sized event? You see, my friend, Jesus reached out to many unlikely people. He reached out to those hated Samaritans. He reached out to tax collectors. He reached out to the demon-possessed, to lepers, to adulterers, to all those that society rejected. And i got to tell you today, that is a picture, a picture of what we as a church can be, should be, and will be with the Lord's help. 
Now, I want to tell you a little story about a rich woman and her fiancé who went to this very swanky wedding venue in Boston to order their wedding reception. They looked over the menu and they selected their china and their silver. They chose their flower arrangements and the bill came up to $13,000. They had to pay half as a down payment and then they went on to order their wedding invitations. After they filled out those wedding invitations and they hit the mailbox, the groom got cold feet and left this woman. When the former bride-to-be went to cancel the reception, the events coordinator said, the same thing happened to me. I am so sorry this happened to you. But the sad thing is, the contract is binding. You can only get $1,300 back. She said, so therefore you have two options. You can forfeit the rest of your down payment, which is $5,200, or you can go ahead, go ahead and have the banquet. I'm so sorry. I really am. Now, it seemed a little crazy, but this jilted bride thought about it, and the more she thought about it, the more she liked the idea of going ahead with the banquet. Not a wedding reception, but just a big blowout party. But what I didn't tell you is that approximately 10 years before that, this same woman lived in a homeless shelter. Now that she had gotten back on her feet and she had a good job and she had a sizable savings account, now she had this wild notion of using her savings to treat the down and outs of Boston to a night on the town. And friends, so it was in June of 1990 that the Hyatt Hotel in downtown Boston hosted a party like it never been seen before. The former bride changed the menu to boneless chicken to honor the groom. And then she sent invitations to all the rescue missions and all the homeless shelters in Boston. And on that warm summer night, People who were used to peeling pizza off a cardboard from a dumpster were now dining instead on chicken cordon bleu. Hyatt waiters in tuxedos were serving hors d'oeuvres to senior citizens propped up by crutches and walking on aluminum walkers. Bag ladies, alcoholics, vagrants, prostitutes, drug addicts took one night off from the hard life outside and instead feasted and ate chocolate wedding cake on the inside. My friend, if you can see that picture, if you can see that picture, you can get some idea of what the kingdom of God might look like. If you can see that picture, you might have some idea what the Lord wants his church to look like. Jesus said, it's like this huge wedding reception in my father's house. And my father's house is a real big house. And it's not full yet. And so the master says to his servants, 
Go out into the highways and hedges and find people who thought they were a million miles away from God and compel them to come in. That's the fourth phrase that I want you to notice this morning. Compel them to come in. That describes our approach. We are to compel people to come in to the kingdom of God. Now, when you think of the word compel, that implies force. But that's not the way it should be done. When you think of the word compel, that implies being pushy. But that should not be the case. There are right ways and wrong ways to compel people to come into the kingdom of God. We should compel people, first and foremost, because of our strong inner compassion for them. Secondly, for their welfare. We want what's best for them. Listen, my friend, they won't hear what you share until they know that you care. They won't hear what you share until they know that you care. But you know what? Sharing is caring. And by sharing your three-minute redemption story this week, you will not only be proving that you care, you'll be telling others all about what Jesus has done in your life. My friend, that may be all that's needed to compel some to come. Come into a relationship with God through faith in Jesus Christ. I read some time ago about an 18-year-old girl who was attending Washington State University and who had attended a worship service in her small town. And for the first time in her life, she heard the gospel good news message of Jesus. The following Tuesday, the church members received a letter from her. The letter said this, Dear church members, this past Sunday, I attended your church and I heard your preacher share about the kingdom of God. Your pastor preached that all have sinned and rebelled against God. And because of their rebellion, they all faced eternal damnation and separation from God. But then he also said, God loves people. And he sent his son, Jesus Christ, into the world to redeem those people from their sins. And all those who would believe in him would go to heaven and live with God eternally. Well... Both my parents recently died. And I know that my parents did not believe in Jesus Christ. And if what you believe is true, then that means that my parents are in hell right now. And so you compel me to believe in one of three things. One, the message is true. Two, you yourself don't believe the message. Or three, you have the message, but you just don't care. You see, we only live three blocks 
from the church and no one ever told us about Jesus. Friends, so many have never heard the life-changing, eternal life-giving, gospel good news of Jesus Christ. Do you care? Do you believe? If you care, then you need to know that sharing is caring. And as servants of our master, we must go down the highways and look behind the hedges and compel people to come to the master before it's too late. Because like my friend Sammy Gilbreth once said, it's only good news if they hear it in time. Now the last phrase that I want you to examine in verse 23 is the phrase that my father's house may be filled. That phrase describes the result. The result of these efforts is that the kingdom of God will be filled with believers. And I want to tell you this morning that God wants his kingdom to be filled with people who love him. And you know, it's so easy. It's so easy to make excuses. We all have property that needs to be tended. We all have possessions that need to be tested. We all have personal issues that need to be taken care of. But Jesus said, whoever does not bear his cross and come after me cannot be my disciple. In other words, whoever refuses to die to self and follow Jesus can't even be his servant. Our responsibility is that of a servant to our master. Our function is to go out. Our focus is those on the highways and hedges of life. And our approach is to compel them with an inner conviction and compassion. And when we're faithful, friend, when we're faithful to our responsibility and our function and our focus and our approach, then the result will be that our heavenly Father's house will be filled. Friend, this week I'm going to be broadcasting my three-minute redemption story in prayer that God's house might be filled. In the weeks to come, we as a church want to equip you to broadcast your three-minute redemption story as well. After you see how I do it and how others do it, we'll invite you here to church and we'll video your three-minute redemption story and we'll load it up into the website and onto Facebook and YouTube. And every time you see a brother or sister sharing his redemption story, I want you to share the stew out of that thing. I want that redemption story to go out into the highways, over into the hedges, 
so that everyone hears the glorious good news of God and that maybe the Father's house might be filled. Friends, this could be the greatest God-sized event that ever happened in your life. This could be the greatest God-sized event that ever happened to this church. So after you see how it's done, I'll be making contact with you if you don't make contact with me. And we'll start talking about you broadcasting your three-minute redemption story. Friend, if you don't have a redemption story today, you can. By placing your faith in the one and only Son of God, placing your faith and your trust in what he accomplished on the cross, your faith in him can redeem you from your sins. His work will redeem you from your sins. So whatever your need is today, whatever your need is this morning, we pray that you would come to the Lord and voice that to the king. Let us pray. Our Father in heaven, we praise you and thank you that you want to include us in this divine work of filling your house. Father, thank you for that privilege. Lord, I pray that you would use our three-minute redemption stories, Lord, to show you that we indeed are servants submissive to our master, that we are willing to go out even into the social media universe to broadcast our story. Lord, I pray that you would help us to, to fulfill our focus, which is on the highways and hedges of life, to people that we don't know, to unreached folks that we've never even met. And that, Father, our approach would be to compel them by what you have done in our lives. And Lord, ultimately we pray that you'll be glorified and that the result will be that your house will be full of people who love you. Lord, for that person that is realizing this morning that they don't really have a redemption story because they've not yet come to Christ, Lord, let this day be their day. Lord, I pray that you would put somebody in the intersection of their life to introduce them to Jesus so that they could come and be a part of what you're doing in your house. In Jesus' name we pray, amen.